and to be honest, I I think there was a moment where I lost direction regarding the points of Skirio Radio because as much as I want each episode to be useful to at least one person Skivio Radio is ultimately whether I want to accept the fact or not <laughs> a, a reflection of my of the journey I'm currently traversing as a human being And it's interesting because there is definitely this tilt towards quote-unquote or apparently ostensibly successful people, right? Guests. And I say tilt because I definitely have included people who you would not regard as quote-unquote successful, right? Even though they may well be more successful than the people we think are successful. But then I've been recognizing more and more lately that my path and the paths of others are rocky, really, really rocky. <laughs> like It's not this glassy, smooth trajectory. And I think the new direction I'd like to take with Skivio Radio is to start confronting that rockiness. Okay, yeah, sure. So my name is Seba um, Abzal and I'm a licensed professional counselor. I have a practice in Dallas, Texas, and I've been working for the past five years in counseling. And I, I started private practice about two years ago. I really enjoy it and it's yeah, it's something that I've been doing for the past two years. And that's that's a scary part. Like for a lot of people it might not even be like, okay, like I'm worried about getting the virus. It's more like I'm worried if I can even have a job because my employer or is like they're having to shut down their small business because they they aren't able to like get people into the restaurant because obviously that's a way that you that you can contract the virus. And so those are real concerns that people have. And so asking like Hold, making room for that, like those feelings are valid and they exist and just acknowledging them before looking on the bright side. Because I think a lot of times we just go to, a lot of times I'll do that where I'll just go and like quickly look at the bright side, like okay, like I got into this, let's say I got like, I, missed, I got a red light or something, I might think, okay, well maybe I was saved from getting into an accident or something. Like I thought that with my ski trip too, I was like, okay, well maybe the reason I had to cancel the ski trip is because I you know, might have gone into a really bad accident and if I got into a bad accident, like I might not have been able to walk or something. So God saved me or something, you know, to try to make myself like, I guess, feel better. And th that's okay to find the silver lining. I think it's just important to acknowledge like whatever, like whatever feeling you had before that, that made you get to the place of trying to acknowledge the silver lining. No, I think, yeah, that I completely understand that. Even there was a psychology professor, Lisa Feldman Barrett, she gave this TED talk, but basically she conducted, you know, facial, facial expression mapping, brain scanning, analyzed hundreds of psychology studies to understand like emotion, what emotion really is. And from all this research, she uncovered that emotions are not actually hardwired. They're not automatic responses, automatic responses of some like, innate human wiring she's saying or she says that actually these studies reveal that emotion is 
basically guesswork. Like your your brain, based on past experiences, has to estimate like, oh, how should I feel about this, right? It's not as if like each event has like a, a given definite emotional response that you have to have and there's no other way around it. Like your brain can definitely shape you know, your, your feelings, your emotions, right? I mean, she says some, some feelings are hardwired, like comfort, discomfort, excitement, calm, etc. But she's saying like, they're foundational, right? It's like our predictions that our brains make, they imbue those feelings with meaning and motivate them. And so like, that's how emotion is shaped. You might feel discomfort and you might misinterpret that and, and make it into something that it's not. That's absolutely true. And so that's why like a lot of times like therapists will even ask clients like what's coming up for them in their body, like to try to get them away from like really trying to overthink their emotion and rationalize their emotion, but really just try to feel it, like feel that experience in your body. And that's one of the ways that you can actually let go. I think there is power in labeling your emotion too, but at the same time, like even just experiencing it as, an, as a bodily reaction of discomfort, like is also like a helpful way to, to overcome any emotions that you might be struggling with and i guess do you think like i, I mean some people i don't know no, i don't know how averse they are to this but guided meditation and breath work do you think those are still beneficial to people who have extreme anxiety or are even dealing with the repercussions of having loved ones affected or taken through this virus like how effective do you think those strategies are I definitely think those strategies are effective, but it's really important to after you're done to ask yourself what is it that you need, I think, and to take care of that need. Because usually like when we're experiencing that anxiety, it's like where it's telling us something that like it's an indicator that something might be wrong. And then it's really important to calm your, because but when you're in that state, it's really hard to like make like logical decisions because you're in flight or fight mode and you're reacting more on like impulse. And so at that point, you might need a thinking part of your brain so to take a second to calm yourself down through breathing and breath work is really important and then to like then again ask that question like what is it that i need that's causing me this anxiety what is it that i need to, to keep myself safe because usually anxiety comes up when we don't feel safe so asking the question what do i need to stay safe or like what what, is, what are some of the things that are in my control that can keep me safe right now so i think doing a combination of the two is really important but sometimes when someone is like constantly in that anxious state, like for, like they, that's just like their baseline, then at that point, breath work is so helpful because you're kind of teaching your body how to relax. If you're constantly in that anxious state, you get used to it. It's almost like a habit that's developed. So you're saying that, you know, for those with acute anxiety or chronic anxiety, like breath work is really fundamental, but you also have to couple it with like, well, why, what led me to feeling anxious? Yeah, like what, like I'm obviously not feeling safe to like acknowledge it. Like I'm obviously not feeling safe. Is this like, do I need to challenge my thoughts? Like sometimes the, the, the lack of safety might just be like maybe related to like a phobia or something like that. And that, that part you might not really maybe need to be anxious about. So then like changing your thoughts that might be causing you that distress might be a way that might be what you need. Or it might be really like you're worried about your financial situation because of this crisis. So then it's like, okay, like how can I make it, make sure that I am, you know, saving my money properly or like look, like looking at what I have and trying to like come up with a plan that's going to make me feel, you know, financially stable. Another question, another reason, another thing that someone could do is to say like, okay, like I need to get my mind off of this. Like it's not helping me, like this, this anxiety isn't in my control. Like there's nothing that I can do right now about how fast the virus is spreading. All I can, what is it that I can control? And then try to like implement some of those strategies into your daily life. But yeah, I definitely think breath work and 
trying to calm yourself down is really important and to take seconds to do that, especially if you're like in the midst of things and you're just like going with the flow and not really taking a second to focus on what's going on in your body. Like it's really important to do that, to practice mindfulness. Yeah, I mean, even this idea of gaining a sense of control, like finding something in your in your sphere of influence that you can, you know, exercise control over. I think some people may underestimate it, but I even remember, you know, this research about loneliness and how like three factors, social isolation, loneliness and living alone combined, their risk to your mortality your existence is greater than smoking 15 cigarettes each day like loneliness the loneliness epidemic that you know obviously pales in comparison to this pandemic but like this social disconnection that existed in our society before like apparently research is saying that has actual like physiological (laughs) consequences and also psychological consequences right being disconnected from people but then they're saying that losing a sense of control like that contributes to a sense of loneliness right and so what you're saying about focusing on what you can control like if you have a financial you know issue saying okay strategically what can i do to start resolving this it may seem like very you know small like oh how's that gonna help my anxiety that can actually i think have a huge impact yeah because you're teaching yourself that you're safe and that's the whole the whole reason that you might feel anxious is because there's fear of like uncertainty of like i'm not going to be able to be safe another really good coping skill if you if you struggle like with anxiety just constantly is to remind yourself like no matter what happens like i will be okay like the like i from the past like i've been able to handle my life so far and whatever has been thrown at me i've been able to handle it and if worst case scenario does happen i can still manage it like I don't need to prepare for it right. I don't even need to prepare for it right now. Like if these are like, you know, worries that are like far in the future, I don't even need to worry about it, prepare for it right now because it's not happening right now. But I have the trust in my ability that I will be able to handle it once I, it's that uncertainty or whatever that thing is thrown at me, I'm going to be able to like deal with it. And I will be able to create safety in that. Yeah, I think that's really interesting, right? Because it's like, it's like, you know, when you're in a stressful situation, like this crisis is, you know, bringing up for so many people. When you're in a stressful situation, it's really easy to focus on the negative. And then, but then when these situations pass, right, you know, inshallah, the situation passes. When, when bad situations have passed in the past, right, you look back and you're like, oh, actually, I got through that. But in the moment when they were happening, it, f- it felt like, oh, this is so big. How am I going to get through it? Right. Yeah. So even, even asking yourself in the past. Yeah. So going back uh, to just add to that comment, like to ask yourself, like in the past, like were there situations that were uncertain? How did I resolve them? Did I resolve them to remind yourself that you did resolve them and that you do have the capacity to do that? I think that's huge. And I think that can really help with just feeling anxious as far as like loneliness goes. Cause I think that's one of the things that probably college students might be struggling with, especially if they're so used to having like, I remember when I left college, like that really hit, like the loneliness factor did hit because you're so engaged in, in school life, so engaged in like, like constantly seeing your friends and things like that. And to be isolated from that is, was really, I remember it being really challenging for me. And even when I started working from home and doing my private practice, I, that loneliness did come in. And I think that a lot of times we have this expectation of ourselves that we should be self-reliant or be independent. But I mean, we all need others and that's okay. It's, it's okay to acknowledge that and it's okay to take care of that need. So if you feel lonely, then it's really important to ask yourself, okay, I feel lonely right now. 
Like, is there somebody I can call and talk to? Like, it's okay that I'm feeling lonely. Like, I'm allowed to feel lonely and I'm allowed to, like, ask for support from my friends and my family. Like, there's nothing wrong with that. And you don't need to shame yourself for this, for feeling lonely or, or feeling bad about feeling lonely. No, I think that's really important. And I feel like um, thinking about even mindfulness, right? Like how mindfulness improves, you know, memory, concentration, focus, but also compassion and relationships and empathy. Like, what do you think about mindfulness? As a practice? Yeah, I d- it's, mindfulness can be really challenging. And in the beginning, like I remember when I was first exposed to it, I hated it. I don't know. If, I, I think you mentioned that you like heard my podcast with Nye. Like I, I talk a little bit about like my struggle with ADHD. So my, mindfulness is one of the best things you can do for ADHD. It's just really hard. It's really, really hard. I used to just find it boring, but it's, it's, it wasn't that it was boring. It was just that it was very difficult. And so mindfulness doesn't have to necessarily mean that I'm going to sit there for an hour in silence. It can literally just be, okay, right now I'm having this, these rumination thoughts, these thoughts that are unhealthy. How can I be more focused on the present or in the present? And so one of the ways that you can ground yourself to the present is just to like um, shift your attention from your mind to like what's actually happening. So for example, like I started incorporating mindfulness like when I was driving. So I would notice the way my body felt whenever I was like driving my car, like the way that I was turning, like I was focusing on like that, my, that my, the outside of what's happening outside rather than focusing on what like on thoughts or like things that I needed to get done. The other thing, the other way that I practice like mindfulness is like even just like washing the dishes or washing my face to so try to really bring myself back to like, what does the water feel like on my skin when I'm washing my face? So that's ways that you can practice mindfulness without actually like sitting down and using an app. Although those apps can also be very helpful. But if that's something that you struggle with, just reminding yourself that you can make it as easy as just being present in the moment. And if in the beginning your thoughts may drift because it's easier, but the whole point of mindfulness is to bring yourself back to what you're doing. So like if I'm washing my face, let's say, and for a split second, I notice a thought like, oh my gosh, like I have to go and like, what's like my next step? I have to get ready to go to work, for example. I might then remind myself, okay, well right now I'm not going to work. Right now I'm washing my face. So let me remind myself what it feels like to wash my face. And then to go back to like doing that task. So that, that's really about being present and to practice that slowly is really important and the goal isn't necessarily to like practice being in that mindfulness state for a long time it's really just about bringing yourself back to that state if that makes sense no i didn't even look at it like i don't think i ever looked at mindfulness that way i think i really associated it very strongly with like you know those images of someone just sitting in a dark quiet room and breathing deeply and like they're forcing themselves to not be distracted by like the thousands of ideas and thoughts running through their mind at any given moment but I think that yeah what you're saying about just choosing an activity that you normally do because I find that happens with myself like I'll be praying for example and my mind will go to like something that I didn't even wasn't even thinking about (laughs) before I had to go pray but it's like oh I have to think about this now and it's like bringing your thoughts back to like wait what am I actually doing that's mindfulness and that's important because the mind it needs that it needs that break from your like constant rumination over the future, the past, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, for sure. And I think a lot of times we stay stuck in our head and that's why it's hard to connect to others. And that's why it's hard to just like, that's what it's, what it's what increases anxiety. And so if you can get yourself out of those rumination patterns, that's like a way that you can care for yourself if you do struggle with this anxiety in general. 
Yeah, I mean, do you think that your practice of mindfulness, do you think like over time that's helped you with like stress and anxiety? For sure, like, so for example, like now I notice myself that whenever I'm like getting a little bit anxious, I automatically start taking deep breaths. Like it's just like my body's response now. Before that, it, I would just stay in that state of anxiety and be like, oh my gosh, I'm so anxious, I can't get out of it. I like, and then I would distract myself and like do something else, but still my mind is racing. But now, like, if I'm noticing any sort of anxiety come up for me, I automatically start to take deep breaths. And that's when I know I'm anxious. And yeah. my favorite breathing technique, and I, I posted this on my um, Instagram as well, my, 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 my favorite breathing technique, which I practice, like, daily. Yes, this is a good time to take a breathing break. Her favorite technique is to inhale from your stomach for six seconds. Do it with me. And hold it for seven seconds. Should have added that. And to exhale for eight seconds. Okay, breathing break over. That's one of my favorite breathing techniques that I practice really often. And it's really important to do that, like not like a shallow breath that you would do from your like chest area, but really from your stomach like deep belly breathing, that's really helpful for anxiety. And if you're noticing any anxiety coming up for you, or you're not really sure what you feel, like I think that practicing that and then asking yourself, okay, how do I feel now? How did I feel before? And how do I feel now? Just like noticing the difference in your body too, like that can give you some awareness. But the more aware you are of your anxiety, like taking steps is really important to stop that. Because if you're just being aware and being critical of yourself, that self-awareness isn't going to really do anything for you. Like being self-aware and then taking steps to take care of whatever it is that's, you know, upsetting you, that's what's really going to help. That's the whole point of insight. So the Prophet said, you must have good character and observe long periods of silence. And now that we're all, or a lot of us hopefully, <laughs> are socially isolated, and, you know, we live in a very, like, I don't want to say greedy society, but, like, there's a lot of pressure to produce and, like, to be in this very, like, go, go, go mindset. And so what do you think the value of silence is, like, in, in someone's life, in your life, a client's life? Like, Yeah, I definitely think that silence is important. And actually, I, I think with mindfulness, I just realized it's not something I think that I, with mindfulness and with prayer, you're kind of incorporating silence. The way that I guess I would reframe silence is even just reframing silence, uh, reframe silence of like silence of your mind, of like when your mind is constantly racing. And so meditation, again, and being mindfulness kind of helps quiet your mind. One of the things that I practice like daily is I try to take like a bath every night and that really just helps like, cause I'm literally not on my phone. I'm just there like by myself for like 10 minutes or five minutes. So that's how I do that. Um, I think for some people it could be working out. That's a way of practicing silence when you're just you're not really you're not really talking to anyone you're not really thinking of anything instead you're just like noticing or instead you're just like practicing whatever movement you're doing while you're working out yeah i think it's interesting though what you said that actually silence is not literally oh no sound right silence can just be your own thoughts or your own like you know the chaos that you produce as a human being like in your mind like science does not have to be like a volume thing you know yeah yeah so i yeah so for me i think it's more about how you, can you create silence in your mind and i think one of the best ways to do that is through breathing taking deep breaths is to, through practicing mindfulness whichever way works for you but really just bringing yourself back to the present moment asking yourself another really good one is just asking yourself what are five things that i can see what are five things that i smell what are five things that i can touch so just really just like focusing on your other senses that don't have to do with your thoughts.
Yeah. And I guess to to conclude, like, do you think that, you know, in, in this time of isolation and anxiety, like, do you think there's real value to be found through these different online, you know, events and community gatherings that are occurring? Or do you think people do need to lean into themselves or does it depend on the person? Yeah, I think that practicing both, like realizing, like making space for all of that, those things. So making space, right. to, making time to to acknowledge your need of loneliness, acknowledge your feeling of loneliness, and then taking care of that need by doing whatever social activity that you can do, whether that be online or calling your friends. I think that's really important. The other thing too is like how bringing, uh, practicing mindfulness throughout your day and noticing how you feel often, like that can be really helpful for people as well. Engaging in like other self-care acts, like I know like for, for me like today, like I decided that I was gonna, I haven't done a face mask in ages, so I did like a face mask and that felt really good because I had time for it. And usually I don't, so I had time for that. So making more time for things that you might enjoy. I also cooked a meal like after like literally months of not cooking. I mean, I, I have been cooking, but not like anything, like not anything difficult, but this time I actually like decided to make like curry. And usually I, usually I just like bake salmon. So like that's been, that's been really helpful for me. So really just, tr just asking yourself, what is it, that, how do you feel? And what is it that you need in the moment? I think is really important. If we can just do more of that, I think that's really helpful. Yeah, I mean, even cooking is a way to exercise mindfulness, right? Like just <laughs> the chopping, the cutting. But I guess, is there any like last thing you wanted to say that we haven't? You no, know, I, well, the last thing I would say is like, if you're not necessarily, necessarily experiencing the anxiety of coronavirus is really just have empathy for others that are. So if, for example, you have family members who are worried about it, um, instead of dismissing their fears, just really try to hear them out and try to understand what they're feeling and don't really give them advice, really just listen. I think that's what we need to do more of as, a, as, a, as people. We just need to listen to others because people are usually really smart and capable of coming up with their own like solutions once they're heard and they feel validated. So if we can do that for the people around us that might be feeling anxious, I think that would also be really helpful. Yeah. And where can people like follow you online to learn more about your journey and your advice? So I uh, most of the content that I produce is through Instagram and my Instagram handle is at happiness.co.counseling. Burnout is not exhaustion. Burnout, as the therapist Katie Morton has defined it, is when the the reward for what you're doing doesn't match the effort that you've put in. That's what this podcast <laughs> can feel like. So help me avoid burnout, right? Like if I made a list of nine, it's actually over a hundred tips, okay? Of ways for you to be productive and creative, like help me. So swipe up to get the links, to get the links to the newsletter, my social media, the guest social media. By signing up for the newsletter, you'll be the first to learn when this book of... 100 tips that would help you to become based on science to become more productive and creative you'll be the first to learn when the book is released 